Yep. Okay. I'm just going to quickly check with the with the chat. Uh, hello to everyone who's watching the stream. Can someone tell me if they can hear me? Because we've all we've had audio issues in the past, so I just want to make sure that there are none. Okay, so um, welcome everyone uh, to the FPL script. This is episode 22 of the 23-24 FPL season. I'm your co-host Shadon Freudist, also known as JD. I'm joined by a very special guest today, 11FI. Uh, unfortunately, Fran couldn't make it today and we have had an upgrade uh, to quote Dr. FPL, not my words. So welcome 11FI. Uh, how are you doing? Hey everyone. Yeah, really good. Thanks. Very excited to be here. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you very much for joining me today. So I'm just going to quickly uh, check again with the chat. Uh, yeah, okay. So sounds perfect. We are all good with the with the sound quality. So I'm just going to get right into the game week because we also have a lot of other stuff to discuss in terms of um, 11FI's website, his data model and so on and so forth. So let me quickly run through uh, my game week. Uh, which was quite okay, I guess. Uh, not the best, not the worst. So I had, uh, for some people listening on the podcast, I had Dubravka in goal. I had Pinak, Alexander-Arnold, Pedro Paro, Gabriel in defense. I had Saka, Son, Salah, captain. I had Watkins, Solanke and Alvarez. Uh, on the bench, I had Eze and Livramento because Parma was suspended. And obviously, I had Ariola's 10 points staring at me. So... <clears throat> Sorry, I managed to bench back-to-back 10-pointers in two weeks and also managed to get exactly 45 points two weeks in a row. So, I guess there is uh, <laughs> some correlation with that. Uh, let me quickly go to 11FI's team and then we can probably discuss uh, what we are planning. So, 11FI, do you want to run through your team quickly? Yeah, I'll do a quick run-through. Um, yeah, so very underwhelming week i think my game week ranks sort of six seven million something like that um for people on the podcast i had edison in goal um because i'm that kind of sicko um and then three one pointers in defense from gabriel colwell and zinjenko captain Salah for six and then saka and richarlison in midfield just a two and a one the single return from son and then the only other returns were Solanke and Alvarez up front. I benched Porro for his unbelievable two bonus after conceding four. Um, but apart from that, nothing really of note. I mean, this is the second week of second or third week of my wildcard. I wildcarded game week 17 mm. um, with two free transfers in like a real suboptimal weasel. That's what I did. So it's working quite well. But this is the first week that was, yeah, very very underwhelming. Yeah, I should just uh, point out to the audience that uh, the ranks that you're seeing on screen are from Game Week uh, 18. And so I have had a rank rise of 1,000 and 
I'm just going to say 11 fire has had quite a fall. I'm not going to mention the, the amount, but he has had a little bit of a fall. But uh, I'm sure he'll get back to uh, uh, his uh, dizzying heights of... Uh, what was your average rank till date? Is it 24k or something? Yeah, so I've had four ranks. A, a 2k, a 1k, a 23k, and a 27k. So oh, so it's even better than that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you're going to let me throw in a little humble, oh, humble yeah. brag then I will <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> anyway so th- those were our game weeks and I'm very excited to talk about um, 11FI's initiative that he has taken to new heights this season um, very excited I've always been a supporter of 11FI's uh, Substack initiative I was a part of uh, his Substack initiative when it came to World Cup 2022 with the data model that we created together and we kind of published uh, player data and team strength data together. So I'm excited to uh, talk through his uh, Substack uh, site today. So let me quickly get right to that. This is the famous screen that, uh, or the famous image that people get to see very often from 11FI. So I'm just going to let 11FI talk through when or how frequently he updates the data model where people can find this data and other aspects of this particular screen. Yeah, sure. Uh, thank you very much. Um, yeah, so just, just for reference for people watching or listening, the, the first link in the YouTube description will be directly to a, to a page that has all of the data that I produce and that we'll talk about on this stream. So you can go and click on that and have a look. Um, and I've taken the, the paywall off from yep. it. So go and have a look, go and download the data while you have access to it. Um, enjoy, let me know what you think. Um, and it goes through iterations of, I really do listen to everything people say. So if you something you want to see, something you want to change, let me know and I'll, and I'll, and I'll change it. So, yeah, so looking at the image on screen, this is the standard um, team strength graphic that I update after every single game week and I post out there. Um, I'll just walk you through it for those that aren't familiar at a very high level. Um, we've got attack strength, defense strength, and overall strength. Um, the definitions of them are, are at the bottom, but what the numbers actually are, are presented in terms of goals scored and goals conceded. So the attack strength is goals scored and the defense strength is goals conceded. So these are the predicted goals that the team would score or would concede, whether you're looking at attack or defense strength, in a match against an average Premier League opponent. So this isn't the same as what you would see if you sort by um, the underlines in FBREF or something like that. Oh. This is my model data presented in an average format. So. There's not always a team for reference of an average Premier League team, but at the moment, I think it's quite helpful that Brentford are around about that mark, both attack and defence. So you've got this kind of example that this is kind of what all of these teams would be expected to score and concede against Brentford, um, if you're looking for an actual reference point as to what that looks like in real life. And then the overall strength is essentially the attack strength and the defence strength combined. So... Another way of looking at overall strength would be the predicted goal difference in a match versus an average Premier League opponent. So this is just a way of presenting the strength in a way that you know you can understand in how it actually translates in a football match. I know some people prefer ELO rankings and you have 
um, companies like Opta, Analyst, mm. um, have like super rankings and things like that, where they might give a team a rank out of 100 or... I know lots of other analytics. I think five three eight as well, right? Five three eight used to have a, also a ranking out of hundred, which uh, combined attack and defense data. Yeah, so five three eight had that, and five three eight did also have an attack strength and yes. defense strength yes. number, which was the goals. But the but the issue with that was that that wasn't league bound or league contextual, so um, it was a bit hard to know really what those numbers necessarily meant whereas if the numbers are presented how i do here on the graphic you at least know we're talking about hmm. uh premier league and, and and how they and how they translate so those are what the numbers in white next to the badges mean and then the the red and green numbers are the change in that rating since the start of the season so that's the change from their pre game week one ranking so the only other thing I'll add here is to remember that this is mostly um, an on-field model, looking at on-field performance, um, and it updates itself, you know, after every after every game week. But it updates itself by updating its priors. So one real key thing with the model is that you know it's not necessarily always going to reflect what our current thinking might be sometimes it sometimes it might need to catch up catch up a little bit or it might not have fully caught up um and the other interesting thing is also when sometimes you know sometimes you're just wrong on a team and it mm, takes time yeah. to to get to that point so for me i think aston villa are probably quite a good example um where you can see on the the, the graphic they've got a really big plus 15 in attack strength this mm. season um and that's and, and my suggestion would be that this is probably where you need to remember that what i'm saying is my model shows a plus no a plus point 15 in attack strength but that doesn't mean that perhaps you know quotation marks objectively they've improved that much mm. what i think this more likely means is my model has had them improving that much and i also think i was too low on aston villa to begin with so um you know it doesn't mean that their attack is necessarily flying as much as that, that as as it is with aston villa for example i think it's that i was wrong on them and it's such a big number because it's trying to adjust um whereas other teams perhaps everton i think you know they're plus Point sixteen, so a really similar number, but I think that is a more fair representation of actually what is happening because I think I was pretty right with where I had Everton at the start of the season. So that's the other thing to consider when you're looking at these these kind of things and these numbers. That's an interesting point because I wanted to ask you uh, while I was looking at all of the defense and attacking strengths where or adjustments that Fulham is plus point zero zero, so it's almost exactly what you expected them to be at the start of the season. Is it a combination of um, the model perhaps being already higher than others or maybe higher than what they had yet to post in terms of uh, attacking data and also them improving as a team? So is that... So you're talking about Fulham specifically here? Yes, exactly. So uh, because you mentioned that uh, it could be, for example, for Villa, you said that it more, it's more likely that it is a case of your model adjusting 
to what Villa already were as an attacking uh, team. So, would you what what how could we interpret a team like Fulham? Because we've seen a real uh, resurgence, or maybe not resurgence, but they've really started to produce attacking numbers in terms of real goals recently. So, what uh, how could we interpret the plus zero zero? Like basically, they've been the same since the start of the season. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, Fulham. It's funny you point out Fulham because Fulham are a really interesting one where compared to other modelers, mm. I was very high on Fulham mm. at the start of the season. Um, and it's one I've probably one of the teams in my model I've double checked my my numbers on the most <laughs> because of how far away I, I was from everyone else on them. Um, Would Everton also but, not be another? Because I think those two, uh, which are right, right next to each other, are both examples of where your model was maybe a little left field compared to others, but also has been vindicated in a sense. So yeah, they're slightly different cases. So 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 Fulham was a pre-game week one difference before the season had even started. I saw my pre-game oh, week one numbers of Fulham oh. and and both in attack and defence, um, and just. Basically, I had them a bit stronger than everyone else did. Oh, we're not talking about massive margins here, yeah. but, but I did have them stronger than everyone else. Um, whereas Everton is more, I was picking up and tracking the improvements a lot quicker than other people um, and seeing it a lot early on. Um, you and John the, McKenzie. The yeah. <laughs> yeah, me and John McKenzie were seeing that pretty early on. Yeah. Um, but but pre-game week one ranks for Everton were pretty much the same as everyone else. It was pr- It was pretty similar. Okay, fair enough. So, um, I think what we'll do is we also have the live uh, website set up so people can see how to maybe use the data because there is a f- there are a fair few interactive bits uh, on the website itself. And as 11, if I pointed out, you can just go to the YouTube description of the stream and the first link that you'll see will take you to the website that we will be showing you or the web page that we'll be showing you. And what we'll do is we can dovetail between this graphic and the actual website uh, or the live demonstration and talk through some of the interesting insights that you've gained yourself. Because what I've noticed as a data modeler myself is uh, because I I try not to be biased uh, before I run the numbers, I also get surprised uh, every so often when I see the numbers or when I see the the differences from let's say preseason expectations to uh, this because this is a midpoint uh, uh, in the season we can call this like a half season uh, change so we can quickly go to the live bit and so yes so this is effectively the website that you'll see and I've cropped it so that we can effectively show it to the viewers. Uh, so this is the free member section, this live team strength, live updating team goals and live player goal involvement projections as well. So 11FI has effectively branched out to uh, player strength model as well. And we can talk about that as well, because I think that's a pretty interesting part of the uh, of the discourse. So uh, do you want to point out uh, maybe some uh, some cases that we can test on, let's say, the first graphic? Yeah, sure. So, so the first the first graphic is just a simple bar chart for the for the three strengths that we saw um, on the graphic before, and they can be sorted um, by attack strength, defense strength, and, and overall strength. And what what I find quite useful about visualizing something like this is particularly the the, the right hand column of overall strength um, lets you really understand sort of what we're looking at in terms of average and and in terms of scale, and 
and particularly how the the team's strengths translate into them being um you know a good or a bad team mm. so for example with arsenal they there's certainly on my numbers um a much better team this season but um you know we were all talking about in the first few game weeks this season about how arsenal look a lot worse and and their attack is really not working it's not very cohesive the numbers are down and that's certainly true mm. but this is this is quite an interesting nice reminder about you know there's different ways to make up a good team and they, I, I was tweeting a lot yesterday that i'm i'm quite enamored by this arsenal side i think they're really good um but the way that they've improved this season is just it's all in defense mm. so their attack yes. has their attack has got worse but it's been a trade-off where the um defense has gotten so much better that their overall strength has 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 gone up this season so they're definitely a better team um and you know the numbers like this help you contextualize that and at least make me more confident that they're a better team and they've just they've just gone about it in quite a strange way mm. um particularly it's a particularly strange way this season as well um if because what people need to remember is that we are seeing more goals this season um particularly you know most of this is because of the extra time and then there might be some other effects in there but 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 we are seeing extra goals in all games so generally you would expect a trend that all attack strengths go up and defense strengths go down so particularly in that first graphic we looked at that um i i post quite a lot with the red and the green numbers um people notice that the attack strength is just greens all across the board um, as attack strengths are improving and, and the, the defense strengths are reds across the board. And that's not, that's what that effect really is showing is that, you know, teams are scoring more goals and mm. and conceding more goals. So for Arsenal to have a plus 0.12 defense strength in a context where everyone is scoring <clears> more <throat> goals and everyone's defense should be getting worse is, is phenomenal in my opinion. Um, even if it came at the you know at the cost of 0.07 um attack strength so that's what this first visualization i find quite helpful to to just look at it and and play with it like that um and look at the the trends and the changes of how teams are because i mean west west ham are another one who you know traditionally are um renowned for being um very strong defensively and that's what we associate them with that kind of solidity but this season they've traded defense for attack so you know they've 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 they're another one that's overall rating has has not actually moved that much you know i would say they're they're a slightly worse team as a result of this but yeah but the man the manner in which they've changed is very clear um when you look when you look at the actual graphic um i think some of these teams on the scatter plot the next chart we can have yeah. a look at in depth because then that will show you the actual change from the season when you click on them So this is uh, one example. So I think this was recently introduced by you, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I put this up this week. Okay. Great. So I uh, I have already talked to Elevenify off stream about this, but uh, I guess because it's such an interesting discussion, I guess we can also talk about it on stream, which is the change in uh, Newcastle's defensive strength, and because we've also seen a downturn in their actual defensive. Uh, numbers uh, as they've had a plethora of injuries and I guess players are also now coming back. Uh, one more, one of the questions that I had was, 
is it okay so for example they played their i would say the, the strongest back line that they started the season with uh, which is trippier botman share and burn uh, last game so would you say that uh, if they continue to play this we should expect a more immediate change in their strength but the model might take some time to catch up to that because it is not an instantaneous process yeah i think so 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 taking newcastle defense both historically this season and and going forward is an interesting case so they started the season on my model at 1.09 which was very very high um that was the second best defense mm. in the league actually um i was higher on them than other modelers and higher on them than the markets so again this could be another model effect that the you know the defense drop looks so big it might not be that it's that big in reality it might just be that i was too high on them but anyway i was quite happy with my rating of them and 1.09 and that stayed fairly solid that rating until about game week 14 so i was happy with with that number it seemed about right they fluctuated a little bit around then but generally they they stayed consistent and then it's over the past four to five game weeks they've they've you know they've really tumbled tumbled down the rankings a lot um, as they've had some pretty pretty poor performances defensively against some of the the teams that are the weakest attackers in the league so that's obviously going to tank your rating quite a lot um it's a really good um case of you know you we can present the numbers you can have data at your disposal but at a certain point you might have to work out what you actually think is is the narrative you're going to spin on this so at the at the start of the season uh, i think quite a lot of um analysts and tactics writers were the the cause and the effect of newcastle's defense was that solidity it wasn't necessarily that they had particularly strong personnel people were saying that the reason they were so strong defensively was just playing the same back four over and over again mm consistently fit starting back four and you know perhaps that's quite compelling that now they've started to tank in the rankings after that has no longer been the case Mm. um or you know they didn't have champions league football to deal with that's another one ultimately it depends what you think is the reasoning for then how you think this is going to be going forward so for example if you think do you think the Champions League extra games was actually a big reason for this? Then arguably you might think it would bounce back quite quickly. If you think that the arguments for the consistent back four were the reasons their defence was so strong, then as you said, you know you could possibly get ahead of other people and ahead of models like mine that won't necessarily update quick enough when that back four comes together again and people like Botman are back consistently starting. And you might argue that they'll they'll go right back down right, right they'll bounce right back to their their great rating um for, for me i'm a little bit skeptical yeah about yeah. what's going on with them i mean it's a yeah. big change that's happened in in just a few weeks in in the model um i wouldn't be surprised to see a fairly quick bounce back um you know they've been good for quite a long time uh i think they will probably continue to be to be good but they are definitely struggling at the moment and i would probably you know linking it to a fantasy perspective i I think it's quite an easy avoid right now until sort of 
you know people get back and we we sort of work out what's going on yeah and i think uh, when you spoke about the start of the season for newcastle the two things that i think got conflated were a newcastle had extremely bad fixtures to begin with so their their defensive ratings didn't really shine through and b maybe markets were little more skeptical once let's say they had uh, two or three bad performances because the fixtures were really bad and as soon as the fixtures started getting good we started to see them keep a string of clean sheets which did not surprise me one bit because that is what uh, good defense means that as soon as you have favorable matchups the, the odds of you keeping a clean sheet go up exponentially so i i i guess we need to see as you said if these the black the back four coming back is going to have an immediate effect or whether there's a more serious underlying issue of uh, the, the gameplay being different or something else that is affecting uh, the team for me so when i model team strengths i also advocate that i would prefer models to update slower than faster because if they update faster i think there's more of a chance that you'll be led down a blind alley i don't know if you agree with that yeah for sure i mean i i think i think i update more on the more on the slower side certainly yeah. a couple of other um modelers have said to me that they think i update quite slow mm. um it's just preference i think really um the the other thing on the other thing on newcastle here is um no new and i'm talking about newcastle specifically is obviously a lot can happen in january yes um because obviously we've talked about the defense a lot but just taking one step forward and um, they've obviously been missing tonali as well so that will have that will have an, that will have an impact and someone like phillips could also have a have a positive effect yeah so before we move on to the uh, later charts i just wanted to get one thing uh, or your opinion on one thing which is bournemouth versus fulham because as you know fran and i have a bet on bournemouth versus fulham and because bournemouth won 3 nil against fulham i guess i have a leg up on on that uh, bet right now where, where do you see this going uh, as in in terms of where they end up in uh, team strengths in terms of team strengths i if i if i have to plant my flag i would say that in terms of team strength ranking i think um bournemouth will be ahead of fulham by the end of the season but it will be very close. Um, you know, in terms of overall ranking, they're still 0.09 ahead. Fulham are, Fulham are ahead. But Bournemouth have been really, really flying recently um, on, on both fronts. And it really seems to me like it's quite sustainable. Yeah. Um, this has both been um, tactically, but also personnel. So Bournemouth were really struggling at the beginning of the season. And there was a worry Iraola might not get the time but oh. a lot he was missing quite a lot of people um and i think also people that he um had signed and he had wanted so he had no aarons he had no scott um and i don't think it's any coincidence that the the, the people he wants have come back and then they mm. started doing well again um they look like a really great sign obviously solanke's solanke's really thriving at the moment so um i think i think they'll continue to do great fulham fulham Fulham's issue is really, I just don't see how they can level up their attack anymore. Bournemouth, I think they've got, I think they've got a lot of scope for that 1.22 strength to, um, to get higher. I think it will continue to trend that way. Um, whereas Fulham, you know, it's kind of the story of their season so far, as we saw in the, 
on the Fulham chart, there's basically no change because they've just been what I expect and I think they'll just continue to be what I expect. Yeah, fair enough. And also one thing that I noticed is two teams have been cut adrift by quite a bit, which is Sheffield United and Luton. So looks like it's going to be a race for who can finish like fourth from bottom because uh, the, the bottom two places almost seem to be destined for uh, Sheffield United and Luton at the moment. So uh, the next kind of graphic that we're looking at is projected goals and this is over a six game week horizon. So I guess the, the, the key point here is again, uh, you can sort by each game week and you can uh, have a look at which team is expected to score more goals, uh, similar to what review has, but for obviously player projections. So has anything uh, stood out to you in, in these uh, these tables? Yeah, so I mean, I guess one thing that's quite interesting about these tables is that we're going from a fixture difficulty perspective, um, we're actually going into a really nice period for, for all of the top teams. So, um, and particularly City. I mean, City City always top this table. I think in the six game weeks that they had the blank, it was all but one game week. They still topped the projected goals, even though they were missing a fixture. Wow. Um, so that's just how high I am on City. And it's even this is even with the massive reduction we've seen in their overall strength is sort of like minus. Yeah, and this is also without really Ferran Torres at Man City now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean with Ferran Torres, this is this would they'd need their own chart because it just ruined the scale. Exactly. Yeah. Um, there. So all of the all of the top teams are going into a really nice fixture run. Mm. Um, so we're actually going to, they've gone through a bit of a mixed bag recently, but it, we're really going into a period where the fixtures are pretty nice for, for, for all of those teams, all of those teams going forward. So it's quite, um, it's quite a funny projected goals chart at the moment where we just happen to be going into a fixture period where if you sort by the total, like you have it almost for the most part looks fairly similar to what mm. the, 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 the table kind of looks like. Yes, yeah. For all intents and purposes. You see obviously a couple of things that don't. But yeah, Tottenham Tottenham have some Tottenham have a really good period coming up. So obviously with the way that they play, there'll be there will be a lot of goals in those games, that's for sure. Both scored for them and conceded. Absolutely. So uh, I guess the projected clean sheets is a similar table, so uh, we can probably move past that to uh, the next bit which is player goal involvement and I am quickly going to go to this part and reiterate what 11 if I said which is that currently if you want to explore the rest of the web page everything has been uh, taken out of the restricted area so you can enjoy all of the data and provide feedback to 11 if I uh, about various aspects of, of the data itself. So if we, if we go directly to player projected goals, uh, I, I noticed that this is quite a recent addition, right? Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, so what is like, uh, what have you seen when you've uh, run your model for player projections? Because it, it is quite a different exercise compared to team sense. Yeah, sure. So, so there's three tables I've got here, which is player projected goals, assists, and then just goals and assists combined mm. um 
and and all of this is built upon the the team strength model that's that's my team strength model so that's probably the most interesting part of this exercise and probably for other people that would be one of the appeals of it is not just that it's my player level numbers but it's all built upon um, my team strength numbers as well when i've operated a player model in the past or done any kind of player projections i've usually outsourced the team strength part of that to uh to either 53a or we rogues model or someone else's model that i think is much better than mine um so whereas now it's running off of my model so um I don't, I don't, I don't really like to say any of these things are better or worse than others. I'm always a big fan of like getting as many different data points and reference points as possible. Mm. So, what I think is quite nice about this now in its current format is, if you are looking at this as another source, you know that um, it's kind of entirely independent now. So you can you can match it up against your other sources, whether that be your FPL review points or the fpl review raw data or the market data yeah um, sorry uh, 11 questions. yeah sorry to interrupt you but uh, just to mention that sartalp has uh, created a utility that you can combine with fpl review and get a similar table to what 11 if i has uh, which is uh, projected goals projected assists for every single week so right now in the default version you can only get expected points uh, but if you use sartalp's utility you can also get uh, expected goals and expected assists and i can link uh, the utility in the in the comments or in the description of this stream sorry uh, you can uh, continue yeah sure so i mean so currently the the tables are all sort of the top top 60 players yeah. um and it assumes it assumes a start and that they, they they play the match so i've taken i've taken any minutes part out of it because i think mm. particularly for um whether people use it for fantasy or betting or whatever people use it for ultimately um you know predicting minutes is is the real sort of important yeah. skill and personal preference part of it for anyone so i think this is just cleaner that that people can sort of compare apples for apples and, and oranges to oranges in, in this kind of way Sorry, is it um, is it assumed to start and also plays 90 minutes yeah yeah okay. yeah okay so so all of all, so all three tables go go across that that kind of format. So um, this is this is also updated. Everything on everything on this page updates after after every after every game week. Um, the, the 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 player level stuff you'll find is is generally a bit more consistent on a, on a player level because I don't think that. Um, player level stuff fluctuates too much unless there's been like a really specific reason for it to fluctuate like someone particular like obviously Haaland isn't in the table now and, and Alvarez is at the top so obviously you know Alvarez's share of what's going on will be there so like big stuff like that will will mm. will, will affect it but generally the, the the player level stuff is is a is a bit more consistent um that, but it's still all informed by the team stuff that changes every single week so um you know this will change every single week so you've got a six game week horizon but but the game for example game week 21 numbers you can look at what they are now but they'll be different they'll be different after game week 20 because it's all everything in this table is linked together yeah okay that makes sense so <clears throat> so i'm just quickly going to try and explain how i use the uh, 11 site which is primarily using team strength 
and also the player projected goals ever since <clears throat> excuse me ever since that stat has come about so for uh, team strengths i think it's a handy secondary uh, point of view to review because obviously we use fpl reviews expected points to run solves and uh, get tangible uh, suggestions but also what i like to do is maybe go to 11fi's team strength model and have a look at the trends that his model is suggesting in terms of whether there's an uptick or there's a downturn in defensive or attacking ratings obviously overall strength ratings don't matter too much in this context i think it's more towards if you want to simulate an entire season uh, or if you want to simulate certain fixtures that you can probably use that but for fpl purposes i think uh, attack and defense strength is quite a handy metric because as um, 11 if i told me off stream um, the problem with elo ratings is that the the context just gets taken away because let's say if you rate it out of 100 it's quite difficult to understand where does a team stand or how can we interpret it because i think interpretation is is as important as application of the data itself so in this case for example if i see let's say newcastle uh, going down in defensive ratings that kind of and and also i think the reviews uh expected point projections also most of the times they match up with what uh, 11fi's model says which which is a handy kind of secondary uh, source of uh, information and then i can make my decision based on that so for fpl purposes i think it is quite handy um my question to you 11fi is do you use your data because uh, the famous podcast by simon and um, virog where they were talking about getting drunk on your own model does that apply to you as well yeah so i, I don't think i use my numbers that much i'm i, I definitely uh, look at them whenever i make any kind of decision and obviously i produce them every single week so i am you know rather than being drunk in the model i am constantly bathing in it so it is obviously hard to um get rid of your your biases and stuff that way um i think from you know any kind of fantasy related decision perspective um you know building on from what you said i think probably the most helpful way to use the kind of data that i present on my page is when you've got these kind of um uh, i i guess i would refer to them as like kind of low resolution decisions mm. so it's is a decision where you've got high error bars you're not really sure what to do perhaps it's not very important or you've got lots of conflicting sources so um the examples i will give so for example you could obviously use the player projected goals and assists and goal involvement uh tables for captaincy decisions and scoring decisions return decisions anything like that you can use that as another source and pair that against you know market data review data top down data or what have mm. you mm. so i i certainly use it um in those in those kind of situations um and then for clean sheet and goal data those are particularly useful when you're i find from a fancy perspective i find those kind of uh those kind of resources particularly helpful when you're you know when you're sort of trying to decide on maybe like a fifth choice midfielder or a fifth choice defender or you know something like that where it's sort of 
it's it's a transfer you don't really want to make or you're on a wild card and it's just a very low margin decision but it'll probably be one that sticks around in your team for a very long time um i quite like using that because particularly when you start looking at projected points and solving and things like that sometimes i think you can just get too deep into it and you can turn a sort of low resolution decision into a high resolution decision when i don't really think that's appropriate yeah. sometimes for my sometimes for my fifth defender i just want a 4.5 defender who plays 90 minutes and i just want him i just want it for the strongest team defensively and i want to make that decision very simply like that because i don't know what else is going to happen i don't know how many different you know so i don't know what solve tree I'm going to turn out to um that's the kind of situation i i, I like to look at team strength yeah data yeah. data for in those kind of more like marginal decisions um and also then just generally when you browse through the whole page and you look at things <clears throat> i like to identify the kind of trends that i'm seeing so for example on this page we know that man city as I said, they always top this table, but they are really topping it at the moment. So if you're kind of looking at this data regularly, what I've noticed over the past few weeks is now that the the, the front page for protected goals and assists and goal involvement is just like getting massively populated by Man City players. Um, and for example, people like Bowen, West Ham players are falling out of it who would populate in the front of it. So you can identify trends quite easily in this mm. kind of way. Obviously, from expected points, you, you you expected points you can do that as well. But I, I like the higher level approach that that gives you and the context of like right. That's because yeah, Man City are going into a really nice run. West Ham are going into you know like a, a poor run, etc. Yeah, exactly. So uh, on the clean sheet point, I completely agree with you. So for example, there are a lot of decisions where I see that two defenders have almost the same expected points uh, projected for let's say the next week and so my decision really comes down to which team has the better clean sheet odds because i the only source i trust or trust the most to get me points as a defender for a defender is clean sheets at the end of the day so i think a table like this is really useful in cases where i have to use use it as a tiebreaker and as you said it's for a low resolution decision it does help a lot because I've noticed that about a lot of uh, data sources which don't give you expected points but give you expected data or some kind of peripheral data around expected points or which directly affects expected points, which is that you can make game week to game week decisions more than probably you can make long term decisions. Uh, I, I, I guess that's another way of looking at the, this data. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I definitely like again going down to whether it's fantasy or betting or whatever the game to game game yeah. week to game week clean, clean sheet stuff i find i find particularly helpful because you can really work out where the margins and their and their edges and and particularly as i said particularly right now i i am very happy with where the team strength stuff is at the moment i i think is in the best place it's ever been and it's and it's um a lot better than it has been in the past few seasons so um particularly on a clean sheet and and goal perspective i think it matches out pretty well so mm. i'm quite confident in that in those numbers uh, do you plan on maybe doing like an art or a chi-square analysis or something like that at the end of the season to check because 
I spoke with Simon and he said that it's really difficult for him to go back and analyze on a player level. But for a team strength level, do you find that it could be a useful exercise to maybe check on the season data as a whole? Yeah. So I mean, um, the the model is the model um, results are all being tracked. Um, so there will be a season long there'll be season long stats to come out. Mm. Um, I mean, for, I mean, just to put it in perspective, last season, um, the model had sort of a season-long MAE of 0.9 to actual goals and 0.55 to XG, and a season-long RMSE of 1.15 to actual goals and 0.75 to XG. So that's sort of comparable and just beats out what the 538 model did. So and so model performance is being documented and tracked. Um, you can read about this on um, Ian's blog. If you if you go to the 11 and 5 Substack and you click on the model FAQ page, there's a section that is um, how good is the model, and there's a link to all of this stuff and those numbers there. So so it is being tracked. But as you said, it's on a team level. That's on a team level. It's really um it's really simple mm. so obviously we don't have the 538 model to compare to so i'm hoping this season i can compare it to um the market expected goals yes and um, we'll see how we get on with that um but yeah on a player level it's just a lot of it's just a lot of work yeah um, it's a lot of processing power as well it just seems uh, extremely infeasible to to uh, go through that exercise and also the rmsc values i don't know if they mean much because of the sheer number of players that you have to evaluate and it's just quite i don't know uh, I, I know review has done it but for mere mortals like you and i i, I just think it it's quite uh, a, a pipe dream i think yeah i think so i mean i'm happy with just evaluating the the team strength part of it and i'll leave yeah. the player numbers as they are fair so uh before we uh end the stream i just wanted to get your thoughts back to fpl and gaming 20 because gaming 20 is going to be a week where a lot of people have benching headaches i don't have a lot of them because i have Eze and pinak as my first and second bench and liveramento as my third who has already lost his place so the reason i've come back to 11fi's um team is because he is contemplating bench boost gaming 20 so do you want to quickly talk us through your plans and if you're going to go through with it yeah, it's a good question. It's a good point. I've noticed quite a few people talking on Twitter about benching headaches and they should consider bench boosting it. And it was only really, I saw people say that and then I checked my own team and that's when I realized, oh, actually, yeah, maybe maybe I should consider bench boosting my team as well. So from my team, um, if I was to bench boost, I'd be bench boosting, depending on how you want to slice up the EV or what you view as the players that should be benched, but it, I'll be Leno, Palmer, Colwell, Konsa, or mm. Gabriel Zinchenko at Fulham away. Um, my view on the bench boost is always um, if, from a sort of paradigm, pers- like what, what paradigm do you view it through? I always like to view the bench boost not only as, you know, you're, you're boosting the players on your bench, 
and getting their points, but also as a tool to take the decision and the errors away from you. Mm. So I always look at a bench boost as the whole team because they're, you know, we've got no true EV. We don't know. So as much as you want to slice it up and argue, oh, yeah, actually, you're only getting the points from this player, that player. The point is, is we don't know. You have to make a decision at some point who you play and who you don't. So the way I think about the bench boost every time I consider using it is looking holistically at all 15 players and thinking about it as a chip that allows me to play all 15 not as a chip that um allows me to to play my bench as well Mm. um there's kind of a little bit of a semantic difference there and that and that is why it's particularly appealing this week i think from an ev perspective it's about what you would want from a bench boost you're probably looking at about 13 14 with most of the teams that i've seen so the 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 bottom line here i think for people that are considering it if you've got a kind of team that looks like mine um, or you've got a good good team, you can bench boost with a clean conscience this season, I think. That's that's the way I would sum it up. I don't think we're going to have massive doubles like we have had previously. So I think the bench boost chip is probably worth slightly less. But you can definitely do it with a clean conscience um, and always go with your preference over sort of marginal EV values and i think we're on a marginal case here so if you're the kind of person that really hates the bench boost chip you hate playing around it you hate working out when to use it combining it with wild cards and you've got a good team then that's a real marginal decision that you should go with your preference in my opinion and strongly lean towards bench boosting you can do it with a clean conscience whether or not i'll do it i'm not sure yet um i'm leaning towards yes but we've been here before so i won't string anyone along yeah i I mean i have the right i mean i have been complaining about it quite a bit but obviously this season has been good to me so uh, i guess i've kind of tried to forget about it but also i don't want it to happen to other people so hopefully if you do bench boost it doesn't go as horribly as it did for me uh, obviously the bench boost itself wasn't bad i think everything that followed the bench boost just was the worst because all the circumstances ended up Uh, with us having so many double game weeks and so many massive double game weeks that it just fell apart. But as you said, face value, it does seem like uh, with with the information that we have right now, we might not get or we are most likely not going to get massive double game weeks later on in the season to use the bench boost. So it could be a case of you use it right now if you have 15 good players and then you're free to wildcard in the later part of the season with a very cheap bench. The problem I think last season was that uh, those of us who had played bench boost didn't find the edge in getting a cheap bench because there were a lot of cheap players available, like McAllister and Mitoma, I think. The, those two were, I think, primarily responsible for, and I think Estupinian as well, because Estupinian was 4.5 last season. So players like that, I think, were responsible more for uh, bench people that had bench boosted earlier in the season to not gaining anything from saving up the value by having a cheaper bench. So uh, that is, I think, the one deterrent this season again for people to think about but because price changes and players of player availability is such a volatile thing i wouldn't count on on all of that so yeah it is an interesting point uh one more thing before we leave that uh just i thought about was wildcard 20 because this is the last week that you can wildcard so even if you want to make let's say one or two changes you should hit the wildcard button because you lose the wildcard after this week uh have you seen any wildcard charts that you uh, compared it to your wildcard in 17 and found uh, let's say a little bit in hindsight but also in foresight that 
the decision to wildcard in game week 17 was slightly better because what I've seen for wildcard 20 is you have to sacrifice uh, one or both of Son and Salah because they are transfers in game week 21 anyway. So, what do you think in terms of uh, wildcard 17 versus wildcard 20? Yeah, so I wildcarded in 17 with yeah. two free transfers. So, obviously very suboptimal, but I'm glad I did rather than hold until now. Mm. Um, I think it's, I think if you wildcarded last week, that was also good. Yeah. I think it just, I think now wildcard 20 is very awkward. I've seen a lot of people saying, oh my God, I can't imagine navigating this wildcard and I agree, it's pretty difficult. Um, certainly a good time. If you've got a high appetite for risk, then great time to wildcard because yeah. you can drop, you know, you can drop Sally, you can drop Son, you can go with Nkunku, you know, you can make some really, really interesting decisions. Um, but yeah, I think it is quite difficult to navigate. Um, there's a couple of things I think um, people need to work out. One is... Um, how do they want to navigate AFCON? And then obviously that affects your Salah and Son decisions. Two, what is your belief on Haaland? Um, it sounds to me like he's going to be out longer than we might think. Doesn't sound good. Everything that's coming out of there, he might not be back until, you know, 22, 23. It's impossible to know. So um, you might want to go without um, a, a concrete plan to get him in immediately. Mm. Or mm. you or you might or if you think is that important then you need to sort of keep that in reserve all the time but then that's also really awkward um but i i think it's i think it's a fine week to wild card as you said you've got you've got to use it no matter what but it's a little little bit difficult i think yeah i, I think the word you used was perfect which is it's awkward the all the solves that i've seen so i ran a few solves just academically from my uh, team value perspective because I think the one thing that gaming 20 while most of them uh, most of the gaming 20 wildcarders have sacrificed is a little bit of team value compared to people that already wildcarded and I think 17 was really massive compared uh, comparable to gaming 8 where there were so many price rises and price drops that you could really take advantage of the price volatility which has been a little weird this season because it really was uh, happening in game week 8 and game week 17 but not otherwise so uh, seems like the people really gravitated towards these two weeks as potential wildcard weeks and I don't know I mean we don't know how the price change mechanism works exactly but seems like someone at the FPL Towers might have forgotten to uh, toggle the <laughs> ignore wildcarders because seems like so many transfers were made by wildcarders and that has kind of impacted the price changes I don't know but uh, other than that, I think we've covered everything uh, this week uh, in terms of Game Week 20 because uh, there is also a quick turnaround once again. One thing that you spoke about which is really interesting is getting Holland back. And as you said, uh, you, we don't know when he's going to be back. It might be much later than we anticipate right now. Would you suggest that, for example, when we transfer out Son and Salah in Game Week 21 or let's say... Gaming 21 and Gaming 22, depending on your free transfer situation. Would you advocate, let's say, keeping money in the bank so that the moment you know that he is back for sure, uh, your immediate move can be just Alvarez to Holland? Yeah, so, I mean, my numbers have always been a lot more optimistic and high on Haaland this whole season than anyone else's. Mm. That was also one of the reasons that I didn't 
sort of wildcard earlier and I didn't drop him. I stuck with him because my my projected points on him is higher than reviews. It's higher than everyone else's. Um, I'm very, very high on him. I think he is that important. Yep. Um, so, yeah, my that's my personal philosophy based on my numbers is you need, you need to own him. Yeah, absolutely. Whatever it, whatever it takes, you need to own him. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think I'm going to go with a similar plan where I have money in the bank uh, where I can do one transfer from Alvarez to Holland, which is what even if all uh, even if let's say other players start coming back, as long as Holland is out, I think Alvarez should see great minutes. And this is a game of predicting X-Men. So if you think that Alvarez is going to keep getting good X-Men, I think he is just a no-brainer in terms of keeping in your team till Holland is back. And we also have a lot of opportunity to see uh, Holland's injury progress because there are only two game weeks in January. So, or rather two deadlines in January. So, we'll really get to see if Holland plays in the FA Cup or if he plays in any of, uh, let's say, any or if he's on the bench for any of the games. So, we can really understand where he is in terms of coming back. And as soon as he comes back, my plan is to immediately get him, regardless of the fixture. So, I'm with 11 if I there. So... Uh, I would really like to thank 11.5 for joining me today. It really has been a different kind of podcast. We, we tried to switch it up by talking about his team side model because it is of vital importance that we have multiple data sources to corroborate what we get from your immediate, uh, I guess, your most trusted uh, points resources. So before we sign off, I'm just going to quickly go through the chat because there have been some people who have kindly joined us. So I'm going to say hello to Lars Priyansh, who is FPL critic and was uh, OR, uh, Massive Data OR1 for the longest time. Uh, Luis Bonilla says, uh, start Gabriel or Virgil. Uh, so my first suggestion, as always, is to look at what FPL Review tells you to do uh, in terms of expected points. But based on what we've seen, I would start Gabriel. Uh, because he has uh, more expected points than uh, Virgil. Uh, the next question is by Luis as well, who says, who plays on the right when Salah leaves Diaz, Darwin or Jota? Uh, do you have any uh, firm opinions on this, uh, Uh No, it's a good um, good question. I would suggest um, harassing James Owen on Twitter. He will have the best answer to that. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, Emma's hive mind. So James Owen is part of Emma's hive mind for Liverpool. So I would definitely recommend just uh, reaching out to him on Twitter or maybe just uh, tweeting or uh, replying to Emma's uh, post about uh, the hive mind predictions and go from there. So the next question is by Gamer Arena who says Suchek or Palmer. Uh, it's Palmer for me. Uh, next question is by Tor Kalleberg who says I'm on the wildcard and I'm keeping Salah for cap and you can stop me. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, <laughs> we can't stop you from doing anything, but uh, you will have uh, to use all your free transfers. And I guess that is what 11, if I was talking about, you can either keep spending your free transfers as soon as you wildcard to get rid of Son and, and the likes of Son and Salah, or you can take ri the risk and simply go without them and then have a concrete plan if Holland comes back for Burnley. Because I think that is the one... Uh, big thing that people are scared of which is if Holland comes back for Burnley or even Newcastle. So my plan right now is not to bother about getting him back for Newcastle but if he is back for Burnley, I will get him back for Burnley. So I guess free transfers will help in that case and also for any doubles that fall in uh, in that time period. So yeah, 
those were the questions or interactions from the chat so thank you everyone for joining us today uh, it was really fun talking to elevenify he is a great friend of mine and i always enjoy talking to him he has great insights about the game about football itself about fpl so always a nice chat so thank you elevenify for joining me today yeah been really great thank you for having me um yeah, but feel free to check out the page everyone i'll leave it open and access available to all and my dms are always open um for any kind of chat so feel free to reach out to me if you want to talk about anything football related